obsessed with all things ovine, there is seriously something about sheep and always something new to learn about keeping, breeding and farming them. Welcome to the Sheep Show podcast. I'm Jill Noble from Holston Valley Farm and Sheep Stud and your host. The Sheep Show podcast exists to help you no matter where you are in the world, what sheep you breed, what size your flock is. This podcast will help your sheep knowledge and your shepherding confidence grow. And it's a two-way street. I love to hear from you and find out how your sheep journey is going. Contact me via Instagram at Halston Valley Farm or via email jill at halstonvalleyfarm.com.au. Come along on this episode as we explore the amazing world of sheep and sheep farming together. Many listeners would know that me and my sheep live in Victoria, in Australia, and uh, we've recently been crowned the city and state with the world's longest lockdown uh, after the pandemic. And uh, since our lockdowns have ended, eventually, (laughs) I have been doing more entertaining, which is very nice. And that entertaining has come with lamb, of course. So I'm interested in a chat with you about what makes lamb taste like lamb. What is it about lamb that's different to other meat? And then how do we influence the flavor of our lamb? So I'm sure you are quite interested in this topic too. And from my research, The key difference is a particular type of fatty acid that lambs have that, for example, beef doesn't. And it's called the branch chain fatty acid. Now, as humans, we can pick this up. This is actually something we can detect. And it gives lamb uh, a more, the best way to describe it, I think, is more earthy taste than, than beef. Sometimes people often describe it as gamey. And what influences, I suppose, that difference is this fat in particular, and also what brings out, what sort of emphasizes these branch chain fatty acids in meat, what actually influences them in particular. One of the reasons I'm so fascinated about this is because, and a lot of you would have heard this before, the fat is flavor. (laughs) Fat is flavor. So, and this really, this science, I suppose, around lamb meat and these particular fatty acids really confirm this. They really confirm that the flavor is in the fat. Now, again, it's it's not necessarily the sort of the fat that's on the surface, but often the fat that's in the muscle and the, so the intramuscular fat, if you like, or the type of fat. And what is Fat. Well, fat is basically energy, an energy store that's produced in animals' muscles, and it is what contributes to the flavor of meat. We do know that obviously water is a big component of meat, but the the um, molecules that carry the flavor are often repelled by water but dissolve in fat. Now, each animal has a unique fat content. And in fact, this this fat content varies 
cut to cut. So if you think about a shank, for example, compared to a back strap, compared to a shoulder, they've all got different fat content. The muscles that are most used by the animal contain the least amount of fat. And then the more tender cuts, which contain muscles that are less used by the animal, contain more fat and therefore more flavor or more intense flavor as well. So this is where we really start to think of what, I suppose, what makes lamb so interesting to eat and cook with as well. And how can we do particular things potentially as as farmers and breeders and producers of, of lamb meat, what can we do to perhaps make it even better, make it an even better product, I suppose, or an enjoyable experience for for those who um, in you know sit at my dinner table, for example, and enjoy enjoy lamb that's actually cooked um, and, and grown here and cooked here as well. We do use an external abattoir. Obviously, that, that's something we'll talk about in terms of that influences um, things. But we do that to ensure that our meat meets, sorry, pardon the pun, our meat meets food safety standards. And, uh, of course, we also sell direct and we have researched and uh, know what the requirements are, what all those food health, health standards are from um, entire traceability of the animal, history of the animal, and indeed then that final stage of the animal as well. So all those things, of course, play a part, I suppose, in this um, particular cycle that we are we're looking at uh, as well. So what what is it, if you like? Well, there's a few different things to sort of look at. First of all, sheep. Um, shorter legs, pretty obvious, shorter legs. So they tend to walk uh, around uh, a lot more than cows would. And then the the muscles tend, that sheep have, tend to be more um, grown out, if you like. Um, and that, again, makes um, the, the meat more tender, uh, just like, for example, you know, someone who's quite fit that stimulates the muscles, there's lots of movement, then that creates more protein and potentially, and I know this isn't from what I know, hasn't been proven, but better nutritional values as well. And then that that um, branch chain fatty acid as well, that kind of acid. And that really is the main reason for the tone and flavor and the texture of the the meat that we actually we actually enjoy, and as we eat lamb, that flavour will linger quite a long time on our tongue. So, and again, it gives it that sort of special factor, that extra little element of um, of enjoyability. Then let's look at the fact that. There's a difference here between pasture-raised and pasture-finished lamb and lamb that is typically not necessarily raised but finished on grain. So pasture-raised animals, obviously fed on grass, eat grass for their whole life. The grass really brings out these branch-chain fatty acids. 
That's really interesting, isn't it? So again, the, the taste is a better taste. Whereas grain finished lamb. So this is, we're talking about the last 30 days of their life when they eat grain. Then that change, that change in their diet changes the type and changes the amount of fat that they actually have. They actually have less branch chain fatty acids and therefore there is less of that distinctive superior quality lamb flavor. And often they describe them as milder. I have customers who say to me constantly, I cannot eat lamb from the supermarket again. It, I just can't do it. And based on this, um, this information here that I'm sharing with you, you can see why, you, you know, why it's, it, it just tastes like, I, sometimes I describe it, I don't eat lamb from the supermarket anymore, but uh, my customers are, are, are in the past, I've described it as it's sort of like it's um, veal, you know, instead of beef or steak. So it's sort of a milder, you know, less distinctive sort of uh, distinctive kind of taste. So let's look at a, a few particular elements as well as this real, well, these obvious elements here. One, that sheep are different to cows. They Their muscles are different. They function different. They walk different. They perform differently. And they have the potential to produce these fatty acids or this acid, if you like. And then we put on that, then how are they fed and finished? Obviously, that's going to make a huge difference to them as well. Other things to think about would be, what is the breed of sheep that you're actually eating? And I know I've had some conversations with people around being able to go into a, a butcher's, for example, and ask for a particular breed of sheep. Now, we might think that's really weird. Surely sheep is sheep and lamb is lamb. But yet we go into a butcher's or even see advertised on our supermarket shelves, Angus, for example. Yeah. So why is it that with beef, we know certain details around breed associated with quality or Wagyu, for example, would be another example. And we don't with sheep. Uh, and then we have generic lamb. So think about it and think about it in terms of grape varieties. There isn't just generic grapes that produce generic wine. And sheep are exactly the same. Sheep varieties produce different tasting, different textured meat. Now, bear in mind, all sheep have the potential to, to produce these branch chain fatty acids. What they eat makes a difference. The breed also makes a difference as well. Think about it. These branch chain fatty acids generally develop with fat and fat takes often time. You think about most children compared to adults. Children are often much leaner, not always, but often leaner than adults. And it's in adulthood that we tend to, well, you know, lay down a bit of fat. So, and sheep are a bit like that. So what is it like to eat a lamb that is grown slowly. Think about that. It's quite different, isn't it? And then, so that's the breed, I suppose, breeds that mature later, breeds that develop slower, breeds that have time to take on and develop their branch chain fatty acids. 
And this, again, gives you a superior dining experience. And then, of course, we think about how old the animal actually is. Pretty obvious, you know, if it's a slower growing animal, it's older. But then you start to compare the taste of lamb to perhaps mutton or hogget sometimes, as it's referred to as well. So the age of the sheep as well can make it significantly different or can, can improve, generally improve the flavor. Now, again, when I say improve, obviously everyone's tastes are different, but by and large, we're going to have more flavor, more fat, and we are going to have more of these branch chain fatty acids the longer the animal has had a chance to actually build up its fat reserves and therefore more flavor is deposited within that meat as a result of age. So age is, again, an important role in flavor development. Now, often we have this, and I know, for, for, for example, with beef, we have this other dilemma, you know, with with um, age, then the meat can be less tender. So there's this constant balance, potential balance or trade-off between taste and tenderness. Younger, tender, but milder flavor. Older, less tender, but stronger or more distinct flavor or more superior, uh, enjoyable dining experience if you, if you crave flavor, if you really enjoy that flavor. And again, the breed of sheep will help you understand how can you get that perfect balance. Some sheep mature early. And again, that that can show up in a tender, potentially tenderer, but the taste is not there. And slower growing animals often are developed to be able to get the perfect balance between tenderness, even at an older age, and taste. Best of both worlds. Yeah, best of both worlds. Of course, it's a trade-off in terms of commercial realities and marketability and, you know, a market weight, time to reach that market weight. But again, we've got to think, what is your market? What are you wanting to do? Often I, one of the first things I ask to, to my customers is, what are you planning on doing with your sheep? Uh, and often they look at me quite strangely. And I said, well, who, 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 do, who do you want to eat your produce? And they said, well, I want to eat it. I said, well, there's your answer. You know, then you've got to think about making decisions based on what you like to eat and what it's like to eat that particular animal or that particular breed or that particular age of sheep. So let's not... Forget the fact that the breed and the age make a huge difference. And then, of course, we think about that diet, you know, and the difference between the grain, 30 days grain finished and how it changes those branch um, fatty acids and how we can actually have a, a, a better taste when they are grass fed course hopefully it's also pretty obvious in terms of which is, which is better for us yeah and the I know the amigas are quite different when it is grass fed as opposed to different types the better amigas for us are better when the animal is grass fed and that can that goes for cows as well as uh, as well as sheep so of course eating 
us eating them is a reflection on what they've eaten. So if they've had a more a diet that's more aligned with what rumens have been designed to eat, then surely that makes for a better nutritional or healthier experience for us. And of course, sometimes even thinking about any additional shrubs or uh, aspects that are in the natural environment can make a difference. It can be incredibly localized uh, as well. Water, I mentioned water and how water is such a, a large component of meat. And of course, how healthy and clean is the water? I'm sitting here talking to you about water when we've just had <laughs> seriously such a wet winter and now an incredibly wet spring and we have water everywhere, which means pros and cons. We will be able to hopefully get through summer, no problem. And I do feel for any of you in, in California, I know that's just a dreadful situation over there and the drought has been going on so long. We've had it here too, but uh, I'm, it's just different right now. And I know it, it will come back again, but we know our, our grass is very lush and very full of water at the moment and the ground is so full of water as well but the water is clean the water we have flowing water through our property 365 days a year so the access to water is really high the the, the cleanliness and the energy you know the flowing energy in in that flowing water rather than stagnant water is is really quite good and we are this was one of the reasons why we bought where we did, because we had that. That was just a, a significant asset. It's cost us a fortune in culverts, don't get me wrong. And putting in, you know, ways that we can get around our property without literally sinking. And it also means that our sheep really enjoy it. You know, they, they obviously really do enjoy that as well. I mentioned to you the fact that we do take our animals off site. So they actually get removed from our property by us. So we bring them. So we load them on the trailer. We take them off the trailer at the other end. And when I say the other end, we're so lucky again. Our abattoir is 40 minutes from us. 40 minutes. We are so incredibly lucky. And we just had a COVID scare recently at our abattoir and it was closed for two weeks. You know, and that was, you know, you really felt the pinch then. You really could could see, wow, how how lucky we are, but also how reliant we are on that system as well. And we, I mean, I, I talk to the, the people at the abattoir and I'm, they're very open to me going and visiting. I haven't been yet in terms of, I, I go there obviously and I drop off my sheep, but I haven't been there when they're actually processing the sheep. But I'm quite confident that they have been treated well. So again, have the sheep been at the sale yards? And, and I know a friend of mine's working at sale yards at the moment and, and the, the pressure to move animals really quickly through sale yards means that they will use different types of force. And some of those forces may, may not be, um, I don't know, all that humane, but I guess it's, it's really quite challenging. So the, the adrenaline, the fear, all those sorts of things, even how long the animal has been on the trailer, how hot it has been, all that. We, we, we transport our animals at nighttime because it's just the most convenient for us. But in hindsight, of course, it means that that animal is not in transporting or traveling in, in really hot conditions and things like that, which wouldn't be ideal, particularly if they're, if they're going destined to be on our table. 
that animal husbandry makes a huge difference as well. And then perhaps how long have the muscles been allowed to relax when the carcass is hanging as well? And again, it, that very much depends. And I know our, my butcher gives me feedback. I'm so lucky he gives me feedback on every single carcass. I can just ask him. I can see them if I want. And it very much depends on how, how much fat there is on the external side. You might have heard of the term, the term blueback, which is an old merino term where the animal has literally eaten the fat off their back. And in that instance, you cannot hang that or dry age that carcass because there's nothing to age. You know, the meat will, the, the, the meat will just have to be cut into rather than trimmed. So again, we allow our, our butcher allows at least a few days to set the muscles and mature the meat that little bit more. But again, balancing that with the fat and the, the, the shrinkage that might actually happen as well. So it's really interesting just to look at all these components in terms of what what really makes up the, 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 the taste of lamb, what really determines all of those elements in, in the lamb and what we can influence, what we can actually control or what we can actually um, change, I suppose. And, and, uh, and of course, we haven't even talked about the cooking, the seasoning, all those elements as well. So, or the, the cuts perhaps that, that are, taste different or cook differently or, uh, or whatever it might be. And, um, and again, we start to think about, um, any, any parts of the lamb that have more fat content, you know? So, um, for me, one of my favorite cuts has always been the shoulder, slow roasted shoulder. And you think about how rich that is in fat content. It's just no wonder that, that flavor is, uh, is such a good flavor as well. Um, and even I know people are, uh, that I'm talking to are rendering lamb's fat like we would do duck fat. So again, thinking about that um, element uh, as well. And then thinking about when we cook a rack or, or a, a loin and how much less fat, but more sweet and leaner. You know, and again, I always keep the back straps of my older ewes if I'm putting their their um, carcasses into sausages or mince or diced for stews. I will still always keep the back strap because I know my animals will have a beautifully tender back strap. I can, of course, tenderize it with additional physical techniques like hammering or tenderize it with seasoning, all that sort of uh, thing as well. Um, even just using salt and pepper, it's just so basic, but it makes uh, it makes a difference uh, as well. So there's just a few things for us to think about and just be aware about how how much we can inv- get involved in uh, in this and uh, and really change it. And if you if you just Google, you'll see some re- some of the research that I'm talking about. You'll see um, some of you know, there's, there's been lots of other research on, a, there's been a study in Spain on the aroma of lamb and what uh, what changes the aroma of lamb. So it's really, really quite interesting for us to sort of think about it. And uh, I think it's pretty obvious where my preferences lie. <laughs> um, if you're going to eat your sheep, go with the meat sheep, pretty obvious. And if, um, and of course, this is this is not downplaying any other, breed of sheep we're just I'm just talking particularly here about the meat qualities of of sheep 
Um, again, if you're interested in, in wool and those aspects, then absolutely make those decisions with your sheep or milking sheep. Absolutely make those decisions. And that's really what we need to, to look at and really just sort of start to sort of distinguish generic lamb from lamb that is very specifically grown and bred and grown and farmed for its taste and really highlighting that, that we can actually consume a product that is more consistent, that is more flavorsome, that is more distinctive, that is superior eating experience, if you like. And if that's what you want to do in terms of breeding your sheep, I can't wait. I can't wait to go to your kitchen table and taste what you can cook up and you can just bring that final little 5% to that effort that you've gone to and the effort that and really honor that animal's life in our final cooking stage, the things we can do in our kitchen as well as what we can do in our paddocks. Enjoy your next lamb meal. Be thinking of me as you cook and as you savor it, hopefully now, and for a lot of you in the US, probably thinking of Thanksgiving. I know we probably don't have lamb at Thanksgiving, but maybe you will. But coming into what is a, a season where we will get to hopefully enjoy time with people around our kitchen tables and hopefully enjoying some lamb as well. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Sheep Show podcast. Want to make a difference to a farmer today? Why not buy direct? At Holston Valley Farm, we supply whole lamb cut and professionally packed to Victorians in Australia and ready for your family to savour. Place your order today at www.holstonvalleyfarm.com. And how's your sheep journey going? Contact me via Instagram at Holston Valley Farm or via email jill at holstonvalleyfarm.com.au. And until next time, sheep well.